This is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For 80 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. Starting now. In Acts, the second chapter, in verse 37, it was asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts 9 and verse 6, Saul asked Jesus, Lord, what will you have me to do? In Acts 16, the jailer of Philippi asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Three times in the book of Acts, the question in essence was asked, What must I do to be saved? Today, we will bring forth the answer from the pages of God's Word. Thank you to our J. Webb for his kind introductions. And we are looking forward to hearing more from Jay throughout our broadcast as he'll share with you some things about our home Bible study, our YouTube channel, and Lord willing, if time permits, our co-laborers at HouseToHouse.com has some great work as well. We appreciate all of our listeners that tune in to our broadcast. We are honored when you choose to listen to us and to study with us here from the International Gospel Hour. Most recently, while striving to go more paperless within my study, I came across a sermon by the late Charles E. Cobb, preached from the downtown Central Church of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee, on February 27, 1955. The sermon was simply titled, What Must I Do to Be Saved? Friends, the approach by Brother Cobb was thorough, simple, and easy to understand. Such a sermon simply cannot be filed away. So today, it is my honor to present this lesson by Brother Cobb. But before we begin, a few words about our YouTube channel. For many years, you've heard us over the air and online. And now, we're excited to announce you can see the International Gospel Hour program on our YouTube channel. A new episode is uploaded weekly, and feel free to view our other offerings as well. It is free to subscribe to the International Gospel Hour on YouTube. Again, please take some time to watch the International Gospel Hour on our YouTube channel. And be sure to click the subscribe button while you're there. It's free. And now, dear friends, what must I do to be saved, originally delivered by the late Charles E. Cobb? I have no apology to offer for the subject that we shall study together. It is a subject that you have heard discussed many times. I am sure you have heard it presented in a better way than it will be my pleasure and privilege to present it to you now. The question with which we are concerning ourselves is found in the Bible. In the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, Paul and Silas have been put in prison because they have been preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. At midnight, we are told Paul and Silas, in spite of the fact that their backs were lacerated from the whippings they had taken, their feet fast in the stocks, they lifted up their voices and sang praise and prayed unto God. The prisoners were listening to the songs and the prayers of these two men. When an earthquake came, the foundation of the prison house was shaken. All of the doors were flung open and everyone's bands were loosed. It was then that the jailer, being awakened out of his sleep, started to fall on his sword and kill himself. Thus, we begin our reading in the verse 28 
of the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he in his straightway. It has never been my experience to read that passage of Scripture that I did not feel a thrill of joy, a joy at knowing that this man was conscious enough of his lost condition that he wanted to do something about it, a thrill of joy because of the fact that he did not have to wait to receive the answer. By the inspiration granted to these two faithful preachers of the gospel, they readily gave unto this sincere man the answer to this question, What must I do to be saved? And the answer that was given then is the same answer that is applicable now. A man who is in a lost condition who wants to know what to do to be saved must hear the same answer, must obey the same commandment, must live by the same law, must submit to the same God of whom we read in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. It is commonly admitted by all men that a greater question has never been asked, nor has a greater answer with any greater meaning ever been given. As we study then the question and the answer, and concern ourselves with some things relative to it, our prayer to God is what it may make an indelible impression upon your minds, that if you are out of Christ, you may decide today to obey the gospel. If you are a wayward member of the body of Christ, you will decide today to return to your first love from whom you have gone away. Let us realize that it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10.23. Therefore, we cannot appeal to the theological ideas of men to answer the question, What must I do to be saved? Let us also realize that the way that God has provided is simple enough that it doesn't take a man with great education to understand what God would have him to do. Isaiah the prophet said of the way that God would provide, And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Isaiah 35.8 We are also reminded in the book of Isaiah that the people should reason together. The prophet sends out this invitation. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Isaiah 1.18 As we consider these things... We want to reason about these things upon the basis of that which is presented to us in the Word of God. We also have this admonition, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. For straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Those are the words of Christ in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. The question with which we are concerned, then, is not a question of what must I believe to be saved, because all of us already understand that we must believe the gospel. There is nothing more that we should believe. There is nothing less we should believe. We must believe the gospel. Nor is it a question of how must I feel. Many people today use their feelings as a criterion to point out the absolute positiveness of their salvation. But friends, it is not a question of how must I feel. Any man who is saved ought to feel good, 
but feelings are deceptive. We cannot depend upon our feelings as an absolute and positive proof that we are saved. There is nothing in the Bible that would indicate that a man will be saved simply because of his feelings. It doesn't matter how good an individual may feel, he may be deceived. Paul felt that he was doing the right thing when he led the persecution against the church. And he said in Acts 23 and verse 1, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. But his feelings deceived him. His feelings were not evidence of what must I experience. His feelings were not evidence of salvation. Then may we call your attention also to the fact that it is not a question of what must I experience. Many people have based their salvation as they thought of it upon the experiences that they may have had. There is only one experience, friends, that you can have that is acceptable unto God that will lead you to the salvation of the soul, and that is the experience that comes by obedience to that which God has commanded. The only sufficient experience that a man has, the only sufficient experience that a man of necessity must have, is the experience of obedience to the gospel. So then, the question with which we are actually concerned is, what must I do to be saved? Well, if we ask some people about this matter, they would answer it like this. I want to be saved, and there is a certain thing that I must do, and that certain thing that I must do is to do whatever seems good to me, just so long as my conscience is clear and my soul is satisfied and I enjoy peace of mind. That's all that really matters. I may do what seems good to me, friends, and if it relieves my conscience and helps my soul, then I know that everything is all right. Here are words of wisdom found in Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There are people who may suggest, I can answer this question by saying that I can do what seems good to me. But does that answer the question scripturally? The question is, what must I do? And I may say, here is a way that seems good to me. But the wise man said, that may be the way of death. Again, a statement of the Apostle Paul concerning his former way of life, this one found in Acts 26 and verse 9, Paul says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I thought to do many things that the Lord had not authorized. These things seemed good to me. But they did not save Paul. Naaman the leper went down to the land of Israel to be healed of his leprosy, and the prophet of God sent word to Naaman the leper that he should go down and bathe himself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman became exceedingly angry, and he said, Why, we've got two better rivers back home. Why go down and dip seven times in the river Jordan? And one said to him, If he had asked you to do any great thing, would you have done it? Why, of course, he would have tried to accomplish a great thing. But here is a simple thing. It may not have seemed good to him originally, but you follow the account in Second Kings 5, and here is the conclusion that you will reach. Before Naaman could be cleansed of his leprosy, he had to go bathe himself seven times in the river Jordan. And when he came out of the water the seventh time, his leprosy was gone and his flesh was whole, new, and clean. To many people, the way that God has provided does not seem good, 
And personally, I have never been able to understand why. Why is it that men think they can introduce a better way of salvation than God has already offered to us? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, Psalm 19.7. Well, another man may say, I think that I can be saved if I do what my parents did. You know, friends, all of us love our parents. It's not a very good thing to say of a man that he doesn't care for his father or he doesn't care for his mother. It seems to me one of the tragedies of the modern day is the attitude of some young people toward their parents. But the question with which we are concerned, can we do what our parents did and be saved? Not necessarily. If our parents obeyed the will of God, then we can obey the will of God just as they did and be saved. If our parents did not obey the will of God, then just because they were our parents would not make it right for us to do what they did. If Think of this. If it becomes right to do a thing just because our parents may do it or have done it, then consider the parent who is a drunkard. Is it right for a son to be a drunkard because the father is a drunkard? No, friends, we don't reason like that. So, actually, in the final analysis, it doesn't make any difference what our parents may have done. We must stand before God accountable for ourselves. Listen to these words in Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 34. Our Lord said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Notice carefully now. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What is the meaning of all this? The Lord is simply saying to us, if you would be saved, if you would inherit eternal life, if you do those things that are necessary, then you must lose your life in the sense that you give yourself in complete surrender to the Lord. We are not to surrender, therefore, to the thoughts and attitudes of father or mother. We are to completely and wholly surrender ourselves to the will of God. Only in that way we can be saved from our sins. Well, someone might ask this question. You are a preacher. Is it wise and safe to do what the preacher says? Friends, there is a principle by which the human family should be governed, and it is simply this. Jesus said, Take up your cross daily and follow me. Put your confidence in a preacher only so far as he puts himself under the will of God. So long as a preacher follows the teaching of the Bible, well and good. But the moment that he departs from the Bible, the will of God, have no more confidence in what he says as long as he is in a state of departure. Put your confidence in the word of God, not in the man necessarily who is preaching it. Paul wrote to some of the people of God and said, You follow me or imitate me as I follow or imitate Christ. Whenever a man ceases to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, leave him. It is not always safe, therefore, to do something that a preacher says just because a preacher may say it. Do what the truth brings forth. Jesus prayed, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And again Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But one says, I do not see why that a preacher would preach error. 
I can understand why any man who claims to be a preacher of the gospel would preach something that is wrong. Well, there are many reasons why a man might, but here's just one to which we call your attention. Second Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning in the 13th verse. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Why, there are some preachers who serve the devil. That's what Paul is saying. There are some men who have given themselves over to the service of Satan. You can't believe a servant of the devil and be saved. Therefore, let us put our trust and our confidence in God and His Word and do what He says. There are many doctrines that are extant today that will not lead a man into salvation, because those doctrines are not taught in the Word of God. Therefore, there is no better place to go than to the Bible to find out just exactly how the Lord through his ministers, has answered the question, What must I do to be saved? Remember, first of all, that in every one of these cases that we read in the Bible, they were conscious of the fact that they were lost. You can't do much to save a man from his sins until he recognizes that he is lost in sin. Those of you who are in this audience today who are not Christians, there is little that we can do for you until you become conscious of the fact that before God you are a sinner, and when you realize that you are a sinner, then perhaps you will be willing to hear the Word of God and obey it in order that your sins might be removed. Many people say, I am ashamed of my sins, and I am ashamed for people to know of my sins. You ought to be ashamed of your sins. I ought to be ashamed of my sins. We ought to be ashamed of our sins to the extent that it doesn't matter who knows that we have been a sinner as so long as God Almighty will forgive us. And as far as that is concerned, friends, all of us stand condemned in the presence of God unless we have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then, we turn to the sacred volume. And read, first of all, in the second chapter of the book of Acts. The people were assembled on this day who had been guilty of crying out, Crucify Him! When they heard the wisdom of God as it came from the apostles of Jesus Christ, who were inspired to speak those words of wisdom, they were convicted of the fact that they had crucified the Savior, and they cried out, Brethren, what shall we do? They were conscious of their sins, of the iniquities. They recognized their lost and undone condition. They wanted to do something about it. What shall we do? Were they told to go to the altar and pray until they felt some unusual transformation? Not one word was said to those people about going to an altar anywhere. The voice of Peter is heard, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that is a simple, clear-cut answer to a great question. What shall we do? Here's the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you who stands condemned in the presence of God, if you want to be saved... Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Friends, how much simpler could the answer have been? 
Again, in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, from which we read in the beginning of our lesson, the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We read that earlier. And they answered him by saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. I have heard numerous people read that, and so have you, who have stopped with that very verse. But they had not told him yet about Christ, and therefore he could not yet have believed on Christ. And the next verse says, They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Now, notice, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, indicating his penitence, and was baptized, he and all his, immediately. That was simple. Sirs, what must I do? They preached unto him the word of God, and he took them immediately, and was baptized, he and all his. How much simpler could an answer be? What must I do to be saved? Here it is. This is what the Philippian jailer did. He was saved, there's no question about it. Then there was a man on the way to Damascus to persecute Christians, Saul of Tarsus. As he came near to Damascus, a great light shone round about him. He was blinded. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. What will thou have me to do? Go into the city, and there it shall be told thee what thou must do. Saul of Tarsus went into the city of Damascus. The Lord sent Ananias to tell him what he must do. You will notice that Saul of Tarsus was praying. He was blind and had not eaten for three days. When Ananias came to him and found him in this condition, he said, Now why tarriest thou, or why do you wait, Saul? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul had asked the Lord, What wilt thou have me to do? The Lord replied, You go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Ananias came, or Ananias rather, came and told him, What was it? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, friends. How much simpler could this answer be? May I challenge your attention with this question. We have noticed the three times in the book of Acts where this question in essence was asked, What must I do to be saved? We have given you the three answers contained in the Bible, which three answers are the same as one. In it we see that the Lord intends that men should believe in Him, repent of their sins, and be baptized into Christ in order to be saved. Now here is the question. Have I told you one thing to do in order to be saved that the Bible does not teach? Have I asked you to do one thing in order to be saved that I cannot put my finger upon that thing in the Word of God? Friends, this is the safe way, the sound way, and the only way. If people had to do that then, people have to do the same thing now. For Acts 10.34 says that God is no respecter of persons. You want to be saved? If you are out of Christ, you want to be saved. If you knew that this day should bring to a close the world as it is, that men would be abolished from this earth, that the judgment of God would begin, you would want to be saved. Well, my friends, you don't know that won't take place today. It may, and it may be a million years from now. But why not do today what you know that you ought to do in order to be saved? The Bible tells you what to do. Let us obey the Bible. 
What great words from the late Charles E. Cobb. And dear friends, in each instance they were told what they must do. You may be wondering, what must I do? I need to know what I need to do. And dear friends, we like to help you along that way, and we find that our home Bible study answers a lot of questions. We'd like to send that to you absolutely free, and here's our J-Web to tell you how you can receive a free in-home Bible study. Your friends at the International Gospel Hour are offering absolutely free a Bible study course by mail. You may study in the privacy of your own home at your own pace. Feel free to give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. And kind friends, that study will be of great help to you enduring your studies that we send to you if you have any question. You feel free to contact us through the International Gospel Hour, that same toll-free number of 1-855-IGH-6988. You can leave us a message. We'll be glad to talk with you. We'll be glad to reply to you via email. We truly appreciate that good study, and it helps individuals to know what must I do to be saved. They got straight, simple answers in the New Testament. We give the straight, simple answers today through a study of the Word of God. We are here to help you in any way possible. Nothing sweeter than for a person, as stated, to believe in Christ, repent of their sins, confess Christ as the Son of God as that eunuch did. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, than to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. We hope that our study today will answer the greatest question of all. And thank you for joining me today, and let's do it again at another time. I'm Jeff Archie of the International Gospel Hour. Until next time, friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.